Hey, it is so good to be with you. It's uh, actually the first time in two years that I get to preach in person and not to camera. And I'm so thankful for that. <laughs> it's much better to do it with, with people in the room. Now, recently, I went to the wet market near my home. My wife, Chris, and I, we were going to have uh, over some friends for some Korean barbecue. And I also wanted to buy some uh, groceries for the weekend. And uh, yeah, so I was at the wet market. I bought vegetables. I bought meat. I bought fruits. And let's just say I bought a whole lot more than I could comfortably carry. Now, does, it, does anyone ever do that? Yeah? So I'm loaded up. And instead of walking home, which would be 15 minutes, which of course I didn't do, I decided to take the minibus from the wet market to drop me off right in front of my estate where I live. And so I got in line with my bags, and I'm waiting, and it's hot, and I'm sweating. You know, my arm starts hurting. I'm like shifting the bags around, holding it differently. I'm trying to make this work, and I'm starting to think, where is this bus? is it? Uh, another 10 minutes pass. Now we have 40, 50 people standing in line. And I'm, I'm wondering, when is the stinking bus ever going to come? Now, I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. And I especially hate it when it's hot and I'm carrying heavy stuff. Yeah. So truth be told, we, we all don't like waiting. And if you do, you have to explain this to us, right? So, but in the big scheme of things, waiting for 15 minutes for a minibus is really not that big of a deal, even though it was annoying. But what about waiting on some of those bigger and more important things in life? Right now, the whole world is waiting for COVID to end. Yes, Jesus, let's do this. <laughs> get this over with. Uh, for me, recently, I tried to see if I could travel and see family, and it was just too complicated. I couldn't do it. You know, for, for others of you, it might be uh, your business or uh, you're even just being concerned about sickness and health. But what about uh, waiting on other things? So, for example, maybe you started a, a job and went down a career path but for one reason or another, uh, it's just not working out. And maybe that's something that even God put in your heart and you're, God, what's, what's going on here? Maybe you're waiting on health for you, for a loved one. But for whatever reason, things don't seem to be getting better. So... What are you waiting on right now? What is one of those bigger things in life where you are waiting for God to act? So there are, there are things we're, we're all waiting for, for ourselves, for loved ones, for the city. But here's the thing. When our circumstances don't change, when we keep waiting, and it just continues, we start getting anxious, frustrated, and we often lose hope and perspective. Now, I found myself actually quite often going through a difficult period of time. 
So there was a time when for a year long, I could not sleep well, and I was living in fear. Then there was another time where my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And it was a, a very difficult period of waiting, and, and we prayed. And I prayed that my dad would be well again, but it did not happen. And most recently, there was a time with my first wife where she, she left me and, and filed for divorce, talking about a disorienting time. And I was, I, I, I was praying to God, God, will I ever feel whole again? And honestly, I struggled to trust God and to believe that my life could be good again. And there was even a point where I didn't, I said, take me, Lord, I don't care. And then there was questions. Why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? Why is my life falling apart? So the, these are just some of the experiences and times that, that I've gone through where it's been difficult to continue to, to have faith, where it's just been painful season of waiting, and quite honestly, where it wasn't always easy to keep living the Christian life. So what do we do in these difficult times when we find ourselves in them? How can we stay connected to God in times of waiting? When, are we, when we are discouraged and struggle to hold on to our faith, now, what do we do? Sure. All right. So today, we're going to uh, actually answer that question or, or look at how God wants to speak to us about this question. And uh, we're continuing in the Summer Psalm Sermon Series. Last week, we heard a, a wonderful message from Pastor Carla, who shared with us about seeking you know, after God's presence and desiring that. And today we're going to look at Psalm 37. Now, let me give a little bit of context. Psalm 37 is a, a psalm that's attributed to King David. And David, he was a king that was no stranger to waiting. He, he knew what it was to wait. He was anointed as king. But then there was an over 10-year period where nothing happened, and King Saul continued being the king. And not only that, he actually was persecuted and had to hide in caves and, and stuff like that. And so, so he, he knows what it means to, to wait. And so the psalm was written to a community who is struggling with their life circumstances and waiting on God. It's addressed to people who are on the verge of losing their faith their hope in God. So there's a general biblical wisdom in, in Psalm 1 that says that faithful living results in well-being and flourishing. That's the, the introduction to all of the Psalms. But what if that just doesn't seem to be happening? That's why Psalm 37 is written to a community of faith where, where that doesn't seem to be happening. Uh, but where people are walking through a season of disorientation, where they're just lost. And 
they, they, they don't know what to do and, and they're on the brink of, of yeah, losing their hope and their way. So I think that's something that we all can relate at in this time. We've been going through a season of disorientation. And, and so I think this is a word in season for us where God wants to speak to us about our waiting through his word. So the psalm, it's not about addressing the question of why, uh, of suffering and the difficulty, but instead it provides guidance and encouragement on how to live when you find yourself hard-pressed walking through a difficult season. And so let's uh, look at the first nine verses in Psalm 37, and I'm going to read them to us. Starting in verse 1, it says, Do not fret because of those who are evil. Or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. So the psalm pictures a community at a crossroads, a crisis of faith, times of temptation, but also a very difficult time of waiting. So a lot of times when we think about waiting, we picture ourselves as being passive. We're just waiting to get through something or we're waiting for those uh, storm clouds to lift and move on so we're not being poured and down on. But that's not how the psalm is encouraging us. Yes, there are circumstances where we are powerless, that, that we can't change, but there's still choices and actions that we can take even in the midst of these difficult seasons of waiting. So what are some of those uh, choices that we can make that the psalm wants to encourage us to connect with God with? Well, let's take a look. The first one is in verse 3. It says, trust in the Lord. Well, trusting in the Lord means handing over to him what's going on and asking him to take care of it because we can't and to meet us in, in, that, in that place of need. And just, uh, yeah, placing ourselves in his, in his loving and caring hands. So that's an active step that we can take. But we often don't take. Well, why, why do we struggle to actually trust in the Lord? What, what's so hard about that? Well, here's one reason, perhaps. A lot of times we struggle to trust in the Lord because we like being in control. We like taking care of things ourselves. We do everything possible to take care of something ourselves before we acknowledge, hey, I actually need help, let alone need help from God. Is anyone with me on that? Yeah. 
Yes? Yeah, I do that. So, so we're self-reliant, we're prideful, we, we want to take care of things ourselves. That's one reason. But, but there's other reasons as well. So here's another one. We struggle to trust in the Lord because we're fearful that when we do, we're going to be disappointed. Because perhaps we've come to God beforehand and entrusted something to him. But for one reason or another, it just didn't work out the way we hoped for. And, 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 and we're wishing. And so we're scared to make ourselves vulnerable again because we don't want to get hurt again. We, we, we struggle to trust that God is good, that he loves us, and that he's powerful enough to meet us and to act. But despite our tendency to, to be uh, self-reliant and wanting to take care of things on our, on our own strength and also to be fearful, to be disappointed again, the psalm encourages us to trust in the Lord. God wants to show you his goodness. He wants to meet you in this difficult thing that you are going through, that you are facing. He wants to show you his grace and his hope and his help. And the community of faith, the Christian community, the church, the divine church affirms that, the experience of the people. And we have known this to be true. And so we're encouraged to trust in the Lord. So one of the ways to trust God that has been most helpful for, for me personally is to surrender yourself to God's care and entrust whatever is going on, you know, to him through prayer. And this is real talk. You know, this is not like pretending uh, how beautiful we're doing. This is like really pouring out our heart and our, our pain, our struggles, and what, whatever we're feeling to God and saying, you take this and handing it over to him. So when my father was diagnosed with cancer in 2006, you know, that was a season where we, I and my family, we turned to God and we started trusting in the Lord with what was going on. And we were handing him over what we're feeling and what we're worried about and concerned about. And of course, asking for, for God to heal my father. And sometimes that praying was, uh, it came easy. And other times you kind of hit a wall and like, you know what? I don't feel like praying. Or I feel like I've already said everything. Well, what else is there to say? It's already been said. So there are a lot of uh, circumstances that, that we cannot control, where we cannot change what's happening out of our own strength. I couldn't make my father healthy again. But in those circumstances where we are powerless, you know, God is powerful. And he wants to meet us. He wants us to know his presence, that he is with us, that we are not alone. And if he chooses to, he also has the power to heal. So he is able to do that. And I honestly, as, as we were walking through the season, I do not know how you do that without faith in Jesus. You know, what else is there to hold on during these difficult seasons? Honestly, what, what else is there? Jesus is our anchor in the storm as we're walking through these intense periods of waiting and of pain. So 
in 2007, my father actually passed away. But I can honestly share that despite that, and it's still something that makes me sad even to this day, but me and my family, we experienced the grace of Jesus and his presence as we were walking through this difficult time. And I want to share a little bit more about that, how we experience his goodness. I was living in the U.S. I'm from Germany originally. I'm a Datkwokjan. <laughs> All right? It's like one of my few words that I know. <laughs> and I had been gone for 10 years. I left when I was quite young. And I actually even had made the decision, I will never go back to Germany again. I had decided that because I loved it. So it really was a miracle that I moved to Germany in 2006, uh, 2005, before my father was diagnosed with cancer. But then as I was entrusting you know, all of this to God in prayer when, once my father was diagnosed, God revealed to me and showed me you know, that he knew that my father you know, would be sick and that he brought me back for this season so I could be there with him, could be with my mom, both of my other siblings were in the US, but also because I'd been gone so long, I just haven't had as much quality time to be with my father. So God showed me his love, you know, through revealing that and showing that to me, through his sovereignty, you know, that this, he, he knew about this and he showed us his grace and goodness in that, even though, again, it's not easy. On another occasion, my father took my hand, he put it under his arm, and he wanted me to feel a tennis size, tennis ball size tumor. And he was sharing with me the pain, you know, that he was experiencing that was keeping him from being able to sleep. And he also was sharing with me that he was done with prayer. You know, it was like one of those low, discouraging moments. And by God's grace, you know, he gave me words of comfort to share with my dad. Now, if you're you know, some father-son dynamics, it's not always that easy. And honestly, I usually would not see myself in the role of, like, ministering to my father. But, but God really gave me the grace to, to be able to do that. And we talked about hope and the resurrection. And we talked about when we don't have words to pray, how in Romans 8 it talks about that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. You know, and we lack the words. And so I was able to bring some comfort and some hope uh, in this situation. And I see that as grace. And I'm convinced I would not notice if I would have not entrusted what was going on to the Lord. So Jesus really met me and he met my family in this difficult season. And we could, despite the difficulty, we could know his love, his presence, and his goodness. And if you're walking through a difficult season like that yourself, Jesus wants you to know you know, his love, his presence. He wants to sh share his comfort with you. And I also want to say that, you know, we are so glad you're here. We love you. And we would love to sit with you, listen, talk, and also pray. So one of the ways that the psalm encourages us to connect with God as we're walking through difficult seasons is to place our trust in the Lord. So 
What is Jesus asking you to entrust to him, to hand over to him right now? Where do you need Jesus to meet you? He wants to show you his love. He wants to show you his care. So I want to encourage you to open your heart and entrust yourself to him. So there's other ways that the psalm encourages us. In, in verse 3, the second part, it says, do good. Trust in the Lord, do good. Hmm. Not what comes to mind when I'm thinking of walking through a difficult time, right? Why, is this a joke? Of course it's not. And, and I want to make one thing very clear. It's not that God is asking us to ignore, you know, what's happening. He's not asking us to get busy working so we can forget about what's going on. Um, and so, and we can see that, you know, even just by the fact that it says prior, trust in the Lord, which is acknowledging what is happening. And so, well, if it doesn't mean that, what is this doing good thing all about? Now, there, I think there's two reasons for that. The first one is, even though we're, Walking through a difficult season, a lot of times God still has some good for us that he invites us in, that he wants us to do, that we can be part of, that can actually be quite life-giving. But there's a second reason why we're encouraged to do good, because as we walk through these difficult seasons, there is also temptation. So in, in verses 1 through 2, it talks about to not fret and to be envious of the evildoers who are flourishing and are doing well. And it's so easy to get, you know, focused on others and, and what's happening with them and to get all worked up. And if we stay in that mind space and we allow ourselves to get all worked up, then they're really the temptation becomes strong to actually do what they do to get what they have. And verse 8 warns us of that. It says, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. So you can see that progression there. So we're meant to drop it. And we, we have before us these choices of doing good, but also the choice of temptation and doing what is wrong. And they're both right there a lot of times in these difficult seasons as we're walking through them. So what the psalm is saying is that we have a choice in these tense periods of waiting, in these crises of faith moments. We can do good and honor God, or we be, can become so consumed by our circumstances and perhaps the injustice of what's happened that we do what is wrong. So as I was going through the season where my first wife left me, there was obviously a lot of pain and grief and, and also some anger. And it would have been easy to have thoughts of retaliation, you know, of wanting to somehow hurt back. And the truth, truth be told, those thoughts came up, you know, as you're dwelling on this, this deep rejection that you're experiencing. But I'm, I'm thankful for the, to God that, that I didn't, you know, act on that, and neither did she. And so as I was walking through this time, there was this choice of, of doing good and good work that the Lord had for me but there was also this temptation of, of doing what's wrong. Well, what, what was this good thing that, that God had me? Here's, here's one example. 
I had the option of teaching, so I had stepped down from being a pastor. Uh, I'm functioning maybe at 25%. <laughs> but one thing I could still do was teach a Jesus Explored course, which is a very basic introductory to Christianity course for those who are exploring what does it mean to be a Christian? What was Jesus all about? And a safe place for people to ask questions. And that was one thing that I could still do, and I did it. And honestly, it was life-giving to me in this difficult season. It wasn't always easy. Sometimes I was like, why am I doing this? But it was still some good that I, that I could do and that God invited me into. So it's amazing how when we do good, our focus starts shifting from what is causing us to be anxious and frustrated to the things that God wants to do through us. So what are some of those good things right now in your season that God is laying before you? No, we don't have to force it, but if there's something, he will show you. Now, another thing that we're encouraged to do in, in these seasons of waiting is to see God's goodness and to delight in the Lord. Now, let me explain this. So in verses 3 and 4, really what's happening in the psalm is that the psalmist is encouraging us to shift our focus because we're so all consumed by what's happening. And that's okay, you know, that's natural. But he knows if we remain there, that's not good. So he's wanting to shift our focus to start connecting with God and to, and to see God in all of this. So we already looked at, we're invited to trust in the Lord. We're invited to do good. And then now we're told uh, that we are called to dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Now, why, why is this being highlighted here? Well, the land in Israel's history is, of course, the promised land. You know, it's God's goodness to his people. And they're meant to dwell in it and enjoy it, enjoy God's goodness, and meant to see God's goodness. And he's also not only that, he's also giving them protection, you know, where, to enjoy safe passage where they can work, where, where life can flourish. There is something that can flourish. But, but the, the psalmist is wanting us to see that. Because we struggle to see that. We struggle to see God's goodness. And then the next thing we're told, and this is almost like audacious, take delight in the Lord. It's like, really? <laughs> like, I mean, if somebody tells you that, you might want to slap them, <laughs> you know, right, in a, in a difficulty. But what, 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 what does this mean? Because this is literally the last thing that would come to our mind as we're walking through these difficult seasons, right? So what is this talking about? It's not talking about a, a fake delighting. I don't know if you've ever seen that where somebody just conjures up this energy and this, you know, really trying to make themselves happy or feel good. That, that's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about a genuine delighting in God and who he is. And that really is the Holy Spirit's work. I don't think we can in those moments, uh, out of our own strength, delight in the Lord. But God can give us that, you know, through the Holy Spirit's work, that we're actually able to see God's goodness even in the midst of difficulty and challenges. So one of the ways that has been helpful for me to move towards delighting in the Lord, and I, I say intentionally move towards because it's a process or has been a process for me, is to start seeing 
God's goodness and how he's been good to me in these difficult seasons that I've walked through. And a lot of times we can't actually see that even on our own. It's a lot of times through community that for one might be even God's goodness to us, but that also helps us to see God's goodness in our lives in the midst of all of what's going on. And so uh, as I was walking through this difficult season of marital breakdown, I was meeting with my spiritual director and also my friend Tom. And we were processing a lot of the grief, the pain, the, the confusion. And that really was the focus at the beginning. That's all we, we, we talked about. But there was a point where it's time for me to shift my focus. And so Tom made that shift. I couldn't make that on my own. And he challenged me. He challenged me to see God's goodness. And he highlighted ways that, God, that he knew that God was being good to me. And one of the ways that God was being good to me was I had people in my life that loved me. He had given me a family that I lived with. I've preached about that another time. It was an expression of God's goodness. And be, well, being able to see that was so powerful and so encouraging. It's like you're sitting in the darkness and suddenly there's this ray of light. And it's, wow, you know, even here, God is here. He's good. And of course, it doesn't mean that the, the difficulty or the pain disappears, but it is so encouraging to see God's goodness when we're sitting in this darkness. So I, I realized that I actually had lost sight of that, and I decided to pray and to reflect on that myself because I wanted to see how is God being good. And there's been very particular and unique ways that God showed me his goodness. And I'll, I'll share one. The other one is too strange. <laughs> All right? But this was actually had to do with the Jesus Explored course. So I taught that, and it's actually one of my favorite things as a pastor to teach these type of things. And there was a, a mainland Chinese scholar who was uh, in, in, in attending this Jesus Explored course, and it was so amazing to see over the period of time Jesus revealing her, himself to her. And even you know, her discovering more who God was and getting really excited about God's word. And, and she ended up becoming a Christian. And for me, that was so amazing and, and really was God's goodness that he would use me in this difficult time in my life as an utter mess. And I'm not a pastor at that time anymore, but still allowing me to function, you know, in this, at least in this instance, you know, being able to care for somebody spiritually. And then I also was able to, to baptize her, and it was such a great joy. So God was... I heard that, Katie. <laughs> so, so God was being uh, good to me, you know, in, in this way. So seeing God's goodness is a way that we can start delighting in God. Uh, who he is, his love for us, his faithfulness, his goodness, his comfort. And we can start doing that even in difficult circumstances. Now, I want to take a moment and honor actually you. So as a community groups pastor, I get to visit community groups. And there's a lot of you that are walking through difficult seasons. You know, it's, it's one thing to delight in the Lord when your life is fantastic. <laughs> but to see people delighting in the Lord when their life is very difficult, you know, that honors God. And it is so powerful. And I get to see it. And it's so beautiful.
And I know that everyone is so encouraged by that. And it honors God. So earlier I mentioned that a, a, a lot of times uh, as we walk through these difficult seasons, you know, that we struggle to see God's goodness and delight in him. But God wants to show it to you. He wants to reveal it to you. And if you're struggling to, to see that, you know, one thing we can do is, for one, be part of a community, honestly. As a community groups pastor, I'm obligated to say that. But, but then secondly, you know, just ask him in prayer to reveal his goodness to you. And when he does, when the Holy Spirit reveals that to you, then take delight in the Lord and give him praise for who he is and how he's meeting you. So as we walk through these seasons of waiting, a lot of times we, as I mentioned earlier, think about it as just something to get through, where we're waiting for this cloud to lift and then to move on, and we picture ourselves as passive. But here, through this passage, through the psalm, we can see that we're actually not just passive. We're not just being acted upon. There's things that we can do and choices that we have to make and how we can respond to what's happening. We talked about trusting in the Lord, doing good, enjoying God's goodness, and delighting in the Lord. And as verse 7 says, these are all ways and how we can wait patiently for him. She's talking about God, who wants to meet us and work in whatever is going on. So as I reflect on my own journey, it hasn't been easy. But Jesus has met me every single time. And he promises us that when we place our trust in him, he will never put us to shame. Never. He's faithful. He's faithful to his people. And he wants to show you his faithfulness. So I don't know what circumstance you're facing and what you're going through. And I know there is a lot of heavy stuff for a lot of people. But I do know that when we turn to Jesus and place our trust in him, that he meets us. When we invite Jesus into our lives, we receive the help, the hope, the grace, the strength that we need to go through whatever it is that we're walking through. And so he has the power to change our circumstances. But it all starts with daring to take the step of trusting Jesus. Now, for some of us, this means trusting Jesus again. You know Jesus. But for whatever reason, maybe it's the self-reliance thing, just trying to take care of it by yourself. Maybe, it's, maybe you've been disappointed. But I hope that you're encouraged to hand over to Jesus whatever it is that's going on. But for others of us, it might be placing our trust in Jesus for the very first time. Now, earlier I, I briefly mentioned that there was a season where I was living in fear, where I couldn't sleep. It was actually a time when I wasn't a Christian. And I was experiencing spiritual attacks but I didn't want to talk to anyone about it because I was embarrassed. I didn't want people to think that I'm crazy. But it got so bad that I talked to my father and I told him what was going on. And he asked me, Tim, have you placed your trust in Jesus? Now, I have prayed to Jesus many times, but I never surrendered to Jesus before. 
So that evening, I surrendered to Jesus. And Jesus met me. And he set me free from this demonic oppression. And I was able to sleep that night. And I didn't have to live any longer in fear. I mean, it really was a power encounter. So I believe there, there's people here right now in this room, but there's also some of you on, online that, like me, that evening, you want to take the step of placing your trust in Jesus for the very first time. And if that is so, if that's your heart's desire, uh, I want to lead you in a prayer, in a simple prayer that actually can allow you to express this, this step of placing your trust in Jesus and asking him for forgiveness and also accepting him as your Lord and Savior. So I want to do right now, I want to actually ask everyone to stand. Everyone who's able. And in just a moment, we're going to pray a prayer out loud together. Um, and if you're using this prayer to, to place your trust for the first time in Jesus, I also want to encourage you to afterwards to talk to Katie. She's right there in the blue dress. You know, we would love to help you to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how you can grow, you know, as, 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 as a disciple. But let's uh, pray this prayer out loud together. So I invite you to all pray this with me. Let's, let's pray. Jesus, I'm sorry for all the wrong that I have done in my life. I thank you that you have died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. I place my trust in you and receive your gift of forgiveness and the new life that you give. Please come into my life and show me what it means to know you and follow you. Amen. So right now I want to encourage you to keep connecting with Jesus and pouring out your, your, your heart to him as we enter into worship. And also, if you prayed this prayer for the very first time as your step of placing trust in Jesus, your relationship with Jesus has changed. You're uh, now in a saving relationship with Jesus. You're born again. So congratulations. We're so excited for you. Well, let's worship. <laughs> 